What a beautiful day it's already been. Um, Mother's Day is always fun here at Spirit of Christ Church. Um, now, we all know that Mother's Day is not exactly a spiritual holiday, um, but honor is very spiritual. God calls us to honor our fathers and our mothers. Um, but we've taken the last several years just to set aside at least one day a year where we specifically honor and bless and call forth the glory of God in women. And so that's what we'll be doing today, um, one of my favorite days every year. Um, so if we want to know God, if we want to call out the glory of God and the design of God, you always got to start at the very beginning. Uh, that's why we'll be starting in Genesis 1, because in the beginning, God made uh, humankind, and in the image of God, he created them. Well, let's just read it. Genesis chapter 1, starting verse 26 through 28. It'll be up here on the, the projector as well, if you do, you're not looking at it on a device or a Bible. But then God said, let's make mankind, or humans, in our image. This is the very beginning of all time, okay? After our likeness, and that is plural in the Hebrew, it, it's as if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are having a conversation about this. And he says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, plural, male and female, he created them. And I love how the Holy Spirit authored that. It's so perfectly intentional and beautiful. God made humans, he made them, plural, in his image, and he made them male and female to reflect his image. And God, verse 28, blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And we'll stop there, but a couple verses later it says, and God said it was very good. Thank you, Tom. So he created mankind, humans, you and me, in his image, in his likeness, and blessed them. Male and female, he blessed them as image bearers, and they as male and female, were given dominion, given charge over the earth, and, and, a, and a mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill it, and to have dominion over it. And so just two things I want to say out loud. I think you would all agree, but I think really important to say in an environment like this, that God blessed them both, not one over the other, and not lumping them all into one category. He blessed male. He blessed female. That seems really significant in our cultural, cultural moment, doesn't it? But also, both had the mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. They both had this job, and that's really the job. Who has dominion is a king. A king has a kingdom, the king's dominion. And so God the king was giving kingship over the earth to male and female. And they both had the job of, of being Lord, as it were, over the earth space that he created for them. And in that space, at the beginning of time, when God created male and female, before the fall, there wasn't one over the other or one subduing the other. There were male and female, called by God, blessed by God, to have dominion on the earth together. Amen? Just... Baseline, establishing baseline. 
here, before we jump in, just important things I feel like to say on a day like today. The charge was given to be kings and priests, as it were, in the kingdom of God, to both men and women as they dwelt on the earth. In the beginning, this is how God created it. And the command was to do it together. The God's calling could, could only be and is always best fulfilled in relationship with him and with, in relationship with one another. Because there was no other way there was going to be fruitful multiplication that filled the earth by either of them operating solar. So both, both were necessary, male and female. The uniqueness that God created them with was necessary to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So it could only be fulfilled in relationship to God and with one another. And that was important in God's original design. And I think important to see that he didn't design it that any human would seek to subdue or have dominion over another person. We're charged to be fruitful in love together in relationship. And we are mandated by God to be his image bearers fully and together. And God said, it's very good. Now, a woman later, and I'm gonna, we're not going to read all these scriptures, a woman later is given a name, Eve. So specifically, a name. And you have to understand that the name, especially in the biblical scriptural language, doesn't just refer to a title of a person. You know, we name kids sometimes just because it sounds nice with their last name. But in the biblical language, a name represented so much more than a name, which is why we could say, you know, you pray in the name of Jesus. It's because we're praying not just slapping his name like a stamp on it. It's that when we pray in the name of Jesus, the biblical language, name means the nature of that person, within the character of that person. And so when God gives a name, and you see God name and rename people, often he's making a declaration about their nature, about their character, about who they are and who they will be. Eve's given name was Eve, which means to give life or to be a life giver. That's the literal meaning of her name. Um, and so we see from the beginning of time, God created woman with a unique calling and nature and ability to give life and be a life giver. All women, you know, when God speaks and, and gives name, he's calling for our truest nature. And, and women, this is, this is amazing that one of your primary um, characteristics of God that you get to express on the earth is bringing life, bringing beauty, bringing goodness. Now, please understand this name was given to her before she had given birth to any children. So when, when the name given to woman of her nature, her, her God image on the earth to bring life, goodness, and beauty wasn't just about having babies. It's a beautiful and wonderful gift. But we have to be honest to the narrative, but also to the experience of many women who may or may not ever have kids or never, may or may not ever get married. Do we just leave them thinking, well, they're, they're lesser than, they're purposeless, God didn't design them right, they're not fulfilling his no, no, and no. The image of God on every woman is Eve, to give life, to bring a life giver, and there's so much more to giving life than just multiplying children. Who's the ultimate life giver? 
God. And the life that he gives is so much more than just making more humans. Amen? <laughs> the life God gives is so much more than multiplying people. His life is a fullness of life. When Jesus came, he said, I come to give life to the full. It means that all of God impacts all facets of life and causes them to flourish. Jesus, I mean the Lord, Jesus included, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, originally put that gift within Eve. Put that gift within women. Amen. Before she had ever known, in a biblical sense, a man, Eve was bringing forth life on the planet Earth. And in no, by no means I want to undermine mothering on Mother's Day, but I want us to understand that God's design is active and real in his image inside of every woman. There are seasons of mothering, and there are seasons of grandmothering, and then there are seasons of living. And the life that God has put in you is most naturally released when you're simply being you in the way that God designed you, not in trying to fulfill a role, not in trying to squeeze yourself into a lane that, that maybe some people have written or assumed about God's design to women. By being a woman in all of your fullness in every situation you happen to find yourself in, in every moment and season of life, that's when you most fruitfully bring life to the earth. By being in relationship with God and walking with him. That's powerful. And so if Eve, the woman, truly is the life, primary life bringer, now I will say, just to balance the scales just a little bit, I think God can use men to bring life as well. But it's not our primary image-bearing function. I would say that men are meant to be life protectors. If, if women are life bringers and life givers, men are called to be life protectors. And again, doesn't mean just when you have children. It's in every season, in every scenario, in every circumstance you find yourself in, men are called to be life protectors. Maybe we'll save that for Father's Day. So it makes so much sense that at the beginning of time when God ordains woman to bring forth life on the earth, you could ask the question, well, why would Satan target her? Because she's so weak and powerless? Exactly not. Because she's so powerful, a force on the earth. And such a powerful promise upon her in the earth to bring forth the Messiah. But that's not, not the message for today. But I want to speak to this because sometimes um, I want to give a holistic picture to the, the glory of God in women. And, and we will be speaking to, to mothers and our... But I believe every person in the room will hear something from the Lord today. But especially when it comes to, to mothering, let's be honest, sometimes being the mother, being a life bearer, even just being a woman in general, can feel like a burden. I'm not asking you to raise hands. But have you ever felt that way? Well, it's okay, because sometimes our blessings feel like burdens. It's all about perspective. Let me give you an example. I was thinking about this this week. 
A mortgage payment may feel like a burden, but it's a blessing to have a house to live in. The real burden would be being homeless. A job day-to-day can feel like a burden, but it's a blessing to have the opportunity to produce something with your life and get paid for it. That's a blessing, is it not? And children can many times feel like a burden, but they are one of life's greatest blessings. Let's not get it twisted. And so when God says women are life givers by God's nature, he's giving you a blessing to be a blessing to the face of the planet. And at the very beginning of redemptive history, he set aside women with such a profound and unique purpose on the earth. And I want to look at one mother in the scripture, a very unique uh, story, in fact, in Genesis chapter 16. This will be our, that was my very, very, very robust intro to what I hope to be a, a succinct message around the life of Hagar. I want to talk today about the God who sees me, or the God that sees you. So as we jump into this, I want to pray now and ask the Lord to give you revelation. Father, as we open up your word, as we look at this piece of redemptive history, God, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I ask for every heart in the room, but specifically every woman in the room, to know that they are seen by you, heard by you, called by you with great promise and great purpose. And Lord, today in any way in which some are walking in burdens, that they would live free, leave free. God, in any way in which some are in hard seasons where they feel alone, that they know that you are with them. We ask a blessing on the reading of your word today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to read a big chunk here in Genesis chapter 16, the story of Hagar. And so this is is a wild story, actually, if you step back, but we'll get there. Genesis chapter 16, it's going to be up here if you don't have it. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, speaking of changing names, they both get changed later, um, had borne him, Abraham, no children. Now, there was a promise that, that she would from God. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Terrible, terrible testimony there. We'll keep going. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So, after Abraham had lived lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham for her husband as a wife. And he went into Hagar, verse 4, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress, which is Sarai, verse 5. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to your embrace, and when she saw she had conceived, you looked, she looked on me with contempt. And may the Lord judge between you and me, verse 6. But Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with her. And she fled from her. Let's keep reading. You guys okay? Verse 7. The angel of the Lord (laughs) found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? 
And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, again, third thing he said, verse 11, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Verse 12, He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke her, or another version would say she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God who sees. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well there was called Bir Lahai Roy, and it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. We'll stop there. It's a bit of a story. Actually, if you know the context, this is actually a really messed up situation. (laughs) But bless God, it's in the redemptive narrative on purpose. But there are so many things. You could just easily look at this and say, now, if you don't know the context, God had promised Abraham children, and he promised them through Sarai. Sarai was supposed to have children, the children of promise, and here they are with no children, and Sarai comes to him and says, hey, the Lord has prevented me from having children, (laughs) you know, so I'm going to give you my servant. And Abraham listened to her. There's a couple things, again, you could take right off the top of here. You know, look, one, don't try to make your own way into God's promises. It never works out well. Two, God won't knew what he was saying when marriage would be one man, one wife. If you do something else, it just doesn't work out well. There's so many stories to be, I mean, so many lessons to be learned from this story. But It was a good design, and so they got themselves into their own mess. What else happened here? You know, God had made this promise. Sarai says, do this. And it's interesting to me, and it says here that Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I'm all for listening to your wife. In fact, I was talking to someone this week, and I said, you know, 50% of where you're going to hear God's voice is through the mouth of your wife. But what she doesn't mention in this story is the voice of the Lord had already spoken. And what Abram should have listened to was the voice of the Lord in this situation and not been to the will of his wife who's trying to make the promises of God come to pass by her own power. It's a very messed up situation. And then in the middle of it, you have Hagar, the servant, who's being mistreated in every way. Talk about being traumatized and abused. This woman is, is a case study. Nora could probably write a paper about it for us and, and counsel the woman. But the story of Hagar tells us three really important things. God sees you. He calls you by name. And he has a purpose and a promise in every situation. 
He sees you, he calls you by your name, and he has a purpose and a promise in every situation. When I was reading around this week, looking at this, I came across, I felt like this was so well written, but I want to give credit to this woman I've never met named Denise Kohlmeier. She says this about Hagar. She had been mistreated by her mistress. She had not wanted to do what was asked of her, but as a slave with no rights or opinions, she had no choice. Out of desperation, she finally fled because she couldn't take the abuse and the pain anymore, but she quickly found herself alone and defenseless without shelter or sustenance and pregnant, no less. To say she felt scared, lonely, and unloved is an understatement. And she had wondered in her, wondered in her despair if anyone cared about her or what was happening to her or her unborn baby. And in walks the angel of the Lord. Right in the middle of her messy, messed up situation. Now if you don't know, most theologians believe the angel of the Lord is actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And in Genesis 16, when the angel of the Lord shows up to this mistreated slave woman who's fleeing, desperate, scared, and alone, it's the first time in the scripture where it's noted that the angel of the Lord showed up to anyone. And he shows up to her. A situation put on her would, by, I would say, sin. They had definitely fallen short of the glory of God in this scenario. That, that's what we call sin. By sin, by, by mistreatment, it wasn't the will of God for it to go down like this. And in the middle of this messed up situation, the angel of the Lord shows up, not to Abram, not to Sarai, but to Hagar. It's so powerful that this is who God is, that God comes and finds her. It doesn't even say that Hagar cried out to the Lord. Like, what am I going to do? God, help me. I got in this mess. No, the Lord comes to find her. I love that. I love that in this because that's, that's who he is. That's what he does. God came to her and spoke to her and called her by name, which is really, really interesting and important because in the narrative, in this part of redemptive history that's in the scripture, no one else in the story besides God called her by name. She was my servant, your servant. But when God, when Jesus walks onto the scene and looks at her, he speaks her name. Isn't that powerful? He called forth in so doing her personhood, her value her intrinsic God-given nature, and dignified her, not just with his presence, but by speaking her name and not treating her as anyone else had ever referred to her in this story by her name. I don't want to say that to anyone in the room, that God calls you by name. When he comes to you wherever you're at, he calls forth your truest purpose and nature. And sometimes, oftentimes, in the most pressing moments of our life. And another wild thing happens in this story when God comes, meets with Hagar, calls her by name, and begins to unlock for her 
her divine destiny and give purpose and meaning to her situation, in fact, prophesies to her, she then turns around and gives God a name. This is the God who sees me. The, the Hebrew there is El Roy. And, and you know what hap- what's wild about that in the scripture? No other human has ever given God a name that he took as his own and imprinted forever in scripture. Could you say he loved and dignified this woman in the middle of a really messy situation? Because from that moment on, and even to this day, as I'm preparing the message, I think of five, six, seven songs we sing about the God who sees, the God who knows us, the God who's intimately aware of our circumstance began with the revelation of Jesus to this slave girl, Hagar. And then he does more than that. He gives her child his name, Ishmael, which means God hears. And again, we don't have a a written down account of what she may or may not have prayed. What I believe God heard wasn't what came out of her mouth, but what the cry on the inside of her heart was. Do I matter? Is my life important? Why is this happening to me? And the answer is God shows up. And he calls her by name and shows her that he's the one that sees her. And so wherever you are as an individual in your situation, you need to know he is the one who sees you. He's aware of your situation. And I think there's probably some of us I'm talking to the women and the men who may be in a tough situation. I don't think any of us could could compare to exactly what Hagar was going through, but we have moments where we feel abused, mistreated, outcast, where we want to run. And in that moment, I want to tell you, God comes to you. And he gives a promise. And he gives a purpose. And he shows you that he sees. In fact, this week, I, as I was driving in the rain, did it seem like there was a lot of rain this week? Um, I had this sense, um, just the encouragement of the Lord, I would say. Because I get annoyed by the rain. I love the sun. I want to be in the sun all the time. Um, but this encouragement from the Lord that the rain brings life, you know, and, and we, we get caught up sometimes in our storms, and we call them storms because they're uncomfortable and they're, they're noisy, but remember in the midst of whatever storm you might be in that the rain brings life. It brings life to everything, and, and the evidence is all around. The, the trees are blooming, the flowers are sprouting. I was uh, cleaning up uh, one of our landscaping areas, and, and I have this really cool, like, you know, a leaf blower. This one actually sucks them up, too, so it's amazing, because it just sucks them in this bag on my back. So I'm sucking all these things up, and out from this, like, huge pile of leaves pops this, like, uh, really interesting and kind of wild, like, harvest of mushrooms that I didn't plant. And they're, like, waving in the breeze of my blower. I'm like, where did that come from? And I remembered, the Lord's like, the rain brings life to everything, even seeds you didn't plant. 
And I just felt to encourage this. Actually, I felt as I was pondering this, this idea of the Lord saying, the rain brings life, just receive the rain when it comes. Is actually for some of you that, especially if you're in a place that feels tough and challenging right now, the Lord's saying to receive the rain in that season of storm because the rain is going to bring life. And it's going to bring life to the seeds you have planted, and it's going to bring life to seeds you didn't plant. Um, and in fact, the idea of a storm, I feel like, is very scriptural and spiritual, too. In the Bible, do you know, like, thunder and lightning speak of God? Where do we see thundering and lightning around God? It's around his throne. Or if you remember the Exodus story, when God came down to visit Moses on the mountain, it was thunderings and lightnings. But in the scriptural narrative, when you see thunder, it usually represents the voice of the Lord. And when you see lightnings, it's like flash of light, it represents revelation. And so when you're in the middle of the storm and it feels like there's thunder and lightning, well, first receive the rain. But also listen for the voice of the Lord because he's speaking in the storm. And second, look for him to give you supernatural revelation you didn't have before in the middle of the storm. But you know what? If all you do is endure your storm or, you know, grit your teeth and clench your teeth and and clench your fists until you get through it, you won't see the lightning and you won't hear the thunder. You'll just be trying to endure. But if you're in the middle of the storm, I want to encourage you to receive the rain, hear the voice of the Lord, and look for the revelation he's trying to give you. This is good news in the midst of the storms. He never leaves us alone. Even if other, we feel like others have, you are known by him. Every hair on your head. He's the God who sees you. And the other thing that we see here is, um, finally, and I've said it already, we see God give to Hagar a purpose and a promise in this very, very, very unwanted situation. And let's not deny the cultural parallels of the purpose and promise given to a woman with an unwanted pregnancy. Let's believe all these truths for those who may be hanging in the balance in the middle of the noise right now, in the middle of the storm, that there be many who hear the voice of the Lord who get a revelation from Jesus, and who get a visitation from Jesus who sees, who notices, who cares.